Well, Eagles Nation, we're in that lull between the Super Bowl game and obviously the conference championships and a lot going on, especially with our team in Philadelphia. A lot of developments, a lot of news, a lot of just things and topics. I want to uh, converse with you all. So, uh, yeah, so stick around. Philadelphia Eagles talk to Jeff. What's up next? Good morning and good evening. Whatever time of the day it is that you're listening to this program, welcome to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. And yeah, I'm sitting here and I'm like, you know, what the heck am I going to talk about? Sometimes you just have these periods where, what the heck are you going to talk about, you know? And um, kind of hit one of those as we're in a, you know, between the conference championship games and, and the Super Bowl and not a heck of a lot going on, you know, at this period in time. And obviously with our Eagles, our season's been over for several weeks now. And even though there's been quite a bit of action and activity, some of it I touched on last episode. Um, and I want to dive into a little bit more with some of the coaching changes. I'm going to talk about uh, Kelsey and Cox and uh, give you some thoughts on the Super Bowl. Talk a little bit about the draft. It's, uh, you know, obviously um, probably the next big milestone in this um, 2024 season. Certainly it is. And then we'll touch on Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, maybe some other smattering of news, and Andy Reid also. I want to talk about him. But first off, I wanted to say this because this is just an interesting interaction that I had today. Actually, before I get into that, thank you for listening as always. This is episode, by the way, 191. As I'm closing in on 200 episodes. So that's pretty cool. I can't say that when I started this, I didn't know how long I'd go, honestly. I just wanted to uh, get behind a microphone and, as an Eagles fan and give my thoughts and put them out there. And And uh, the channel has certainly grown. I have a lot of aspirations as far as where to go next. But uh, we're working on some of those things. So, But for those of you who have been with me, uh, you know, from day one or episode 100, or this is your first episode. Uh, thank you so much for being a part of the program. And I uh, really, really appreciate it. Appreciate my podcast uh, platforms that, uh, that carry this uh, podcast. And that would be, you know, Amazon, uh, iHeartRadio, Google, Apple, uh, Audible. Spotify, pretty much all of them. Um, I mean, all the big ones anyway. Pretty much carry uh, Philadelphia Eagles talk with Jeff, and I very much appreciate them. And, uh, yeah, just remember that you can always communicate with the podcast by emailing us at the show at petwgp at gmail.com. Again, petwgp at gmail.com. So, once again, thank you for tuning in. And I'll, I'm trying to think about what to do. For my 200th episode, I'll probably have some friends join me that have uh, been um, on the show in the past. Um, I'm not sure. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. But um, but that uh, episode is rapidly approaching as this is, again, 191. So nine episodes away from the 200 number. So pretty, pretty cool. All right. So I want to share this because this is just a pretty cool interaction. And some of you who have been listening to this podcast will know. Uh, or probably will know or potentially recall. And if you don't, probably most of you don't know who I'm, what I'm about to say or what I've said about him in the past. And that is one of my favorite Eagles. And I've always said this, and it's always thrown some people off. Like, you know, if they say, who are your top five Eagles offensive players of all time? A lot of them just kind of roll off the tongue, right? And just easy to, to remember. Most people know who these players are, you know. Randall Cunningham, uh, Mike Quick, probably my, you know, right up there, and always Donovan McNabb. Um, 
you know, obviously Devontae Smith is becoming one and Sean McCoy, Willow Montgomery. But the one that always hits the top five, you know, if I had to rattle off the top five again, I, I, you know, he's always like right in around the fifth. And people are always like surprised when I say this guy's name. And it's because, you know, when you talk about my personal favorite Eagles, yeah, most of the time they're going to be really, really good star Eagles players, of course. I mean, it makes sense, right? And this guy probably would have been if they had kept him. And uh, But even even though they didn't, he only played uh, about five years with the Eagles and, and really never been uh, never had the number one role, he did provide plenty of highlight films. And if you ever want to see them, just go on YouTube. Just punch in Charlie Garner, Eagles highlights. And that player again, you know, I just mentioned is Charlie Garner. I mean, Charlie Garner is one of my favorite Philadelphia Eagles players of all time. Not a guy who was a star by any stretch in Philadelphia. I know a lot of Eagle fans who were watching the Eagles in the 90s also share my opinion of Charlie Garner. He was, to me, one of the greatest players the Eagles let let ever ever go away or get away. You know, of course, you can put in um, uh, Carter, of course. Chris Carter um, ended up becoming a Hall of Fame wide receiver. Uh, when you're just talking about offense, again, I'm just talking about offensive players. Um, that's probably the biggest one. But Charlie Garner ended up having a really, really good career. One of the most underrated running backs in the history of the NFL. And uh, so any of you had a time to either look at his highlights on YouTube or just go to profootballreference.com uh, pro and look at his statistics. Um, and you'll see he had a good three or four years, of, unfortunately not with us, but when he was given the number one starting role in San Francisco and, and the Raiders, he put up some big-time numbers. Numbers that we haven't seen out of a running back here in Philadelphia uh, since maybe Brian Westbrook could rival some you know some of those years Charlie Garner had because he was a multidimensional running back who could run the ball and catch the ball and Charlie could do both but he was just he was just a um, dynamic runner you know and I've always said this and you guys might even laugh but I'm telling you go back and look at some of these highlights and you'll see what I'm talking about um, you know Barry Sanders to me is the greatest running back of all time. And Charlie Garner had some similar abilities. Now, I've been able to say that about many, if any, running back ever since I saw Barry Sanders run. One guy I have actually said that is Barry San- is uh, Charlie Garner. Barry could stop and start and go one direction, stop and go in another direction quicker than any running back I've ever seen. And he did it the best by far. He was the greatest, the, the most elusive, quick, uh, dynamic playmaker running back I've ever seen running the ball. There's one guy that I've seen since. One. That's it. And he happens to be an eagle, or was an eagle at one time, and that's Charlie Garner. And again, I'm not saying he's as good as Barry Sanders. Of course not. I'm just saying that he had some of that quick dart-like, stop-on-a-dime, take-off-in-a-different-direction ability that I've only other seen, ever seen otherwise Barry Sanders, um, who was the greatest to ever do it. And that's how good Jar- Charlie Garner was. Um, and unfortunately, he wasn't able to fully flourish in his career until he got to San Fran and, and Oakland, who both used him as their number one running back. Here in Philly, he split time with uh, Ricky Waters, and a couple other guys. Anyway, the reason why I'm bringing up Charlie Garner, because I've spent quite a bit of time talking about him here, is um, I have been able to connect with him on social media, which is, to me, as a huge Charlie Garner fan growing up, has been, it's just awesome. And it's not like I've gotten to know him or anything like that. It's really just we've had some interactions, and it's been, and it's just cool that, you know, he's uh, responded to me, and we've had uh, kind of some dialogue back and forth. And, and every once in a while we connect, but uh, today we just had another one and um, something I didn't know. Like I didn't realize that Charlie Garner's son is a starting cornerback in college. Now I don't, I didn't really ask him or I'm not sure if what year he is, if he's a freshman, if he's a senior, um, I don't know. But um, I was kidding, kidding with him. And actually, cause he was posting some video of, uh, of this kid you know, who I knew was a, a Garner, but I didn't know if it was his kid or if it was his nephew or what. So I, I asked him and he responded back to me 
And he said it was his son. And he also said he's got a nephew that plays, but he said it was his son that he posted a video of. So I thought that was just really cool. And it's Charlie Garner the fourth, by the way. Um, and and so he is a cornerback, which is I mean, that's funny because it's a huge need of the Eagles to find a young corner. So I'm going to keep my eye on young Charlie Garner and uh, do more research on him. But uh, I just thought it was cool. And, you know, I then took the opportunity, you know, once uh, Charlie responded to me to just let him know, you know, what a huge fan of mine that he was. Um, I mean, sorry, huge fan of his that I was. <laughs> Got that twisted. Uh, and, you know, how much I kind of regretted to this day when the Eagles let him go. And I said, I continue to follow your career in San Fran and Oakland. And I told him, I said, you are one of the most underrated running backs of all time in NFL history. And I stand behind that absolutely with 100% confidence. And uh, look at his numbers. Those of you who are not familiar with him, um, you know, check him out and you'll see uh, how good, how productive of running back that Charlie Garner was. And unfortunately, the Eagles just never gave him the starting role. And uh, eventually, you know, they fell out of favor with him and ended up, I think they just released him. I don't even think he was traded. I, they may have traded. I don't remember now, honestly. I'm not sure. But uh, either way, he went on to have a much bigger career, Pro Bowl uh, career, um, you know, with those uh, other teams in San Fran and Oakland. So, uh, but anyway, it was cool to just kind of have that uh, experience of a uh, quick little conversation there uh, through social media with Charlie Garner. And uh, he liked that response that I gave, by the way. He, uh, you know, he appreciated it. So, all right. Wanted to share that with you. You know, sometimes you get little, uh, little nuggets of uh, stuff like that that I like to share with you guys. So what I want to talk about today? Well, we got the coach changes, obviously. I haven't had a chance to really uh, talk much about them. Honestly, I'm not super excited about either one of them. Do I think they're upgrades? Yes, absolutely. And the Eagles needed to upgrade. I said there would be major changes, and these are major changes. You know, you can't have bigger changes than changing your offensive and defensive coordinators outside of also changing your head coach, which I'm sure was very close to happening as well, but somehow he – he held on, and that's Nick Sirianni. So he's coming back in kind of like a CEO mode. He's not going to be taken, stripped away a lot of his uh, um, power, I guess, if you want to use that word. Um, so Nick Fangio comes over. Is that his name, Nick? I say it is. Fangio comes over from the Dolphins, and Kellen Moore comes over from the Chargers. Kellen Moore, of course, the former offensive coordinator for the Cowboys. He's one of the brighter minds out there offensively. Now, he didn't play as well, um, a coach as well, I guess, or have as much success with the Chargers, but that team had a terrible coach. A um, little bit of turmoil over there in, in the Chargers. I think Kellen Moore is actually you know, pretty decent offensive coordinator to bring in here. Um, I think he'll also help Hurts because he is, was a former quarterback himself. I think it's a good move. I think it's a good move. Brian Johnson, I don't know what to make of him. I don't know if he was held back on this team because Nick basically just was the one that was controlling things and he wasn't really able to do what he wanted to do. It'll be interesting to see what he ends up doing, if he ends up becoming a really, really good coach in this league or if he is just another name. Because uh, I don't really know. I don't I don't know one way or the other what to think about Johnson. Was I one of the ones calling for his head to change? Yeah, because the offense was so terrible. But I don't know why it was terrible. I don't know if it was Nick. I don't know if it was because of him. I don't know. I don't know if it was Hurts. It's hard to tell. We know it was terrible. That's the bottom line. Even though they ended up in this top 10 still in overall offense, which somehow was remarkable how that even happened. But, um, yeah, so, you know, Kellen Moore comes in as offensive coordinator. Hopefully, change, you know, we know he's going to have his own scheme. We know he's been successful in the NFL. So, you know, I think it's a really good – a good move by the Eagles to get a guy like him. Um, and I do expect him to to put some new wrinkles in here. He's a pass-happy guy, so, you know, I don't think it's going to change much in terms of their pass-run ratio. Um, he did pass a lot in Dallas. I know one of the um, one of the frustrations from Cowboys fans was that he they thought he passed too much when they should have ran the ball. It's a passing league now, you know, so I think almost every coaching, almost every fan base probably – uh, gets pissed at their coaches because they don't run the ball enough because it's a passing league. It just is what it is. I wish the Eagles would run the ball a heck of a lot more than they do, especially when they've had one of the best offensive lines in the NFL in the last five years. They, they haven't fully taken advantage of that. 
And when they have, they usually won. You know, and it's and it's also created more offense. It's it's opened up the passing game. But all these coaches get too pass happy. And it's just it is it is what it is. It's just the way the NFL is these days. Um and Fangio, not too excited about him either. You know, by the way, I'm probably more excited about more than Fangio by a slight margin. Um Fangio, he's he's an upgrade, absolutely an upgrade over our horrible defense. It can only help. But I'm not fundamentally in line with his style of defense. I am much more, and I was born and grew up an Eagles fan, with an attacking style defense. That is what I am accustomed to. That is what I love to watch. That I think I think I'm speaking for most Eagles fans too when I say that, um, especially in my age range, that we were able to enjoy those defenses that just kicked the crap out of the offense and attacked and blitzed and hammered and pounded into, you know, the offenses into submission. Those are the defenses that I appreciate the most. Yeah, they would give up a big play every once in a while when they blitzed and get home, and that's the risk that you take when you blitz guys or you play in this tacking style. You'll give up some big plays here or there, you know. To me, as long as you're getting home more often than you're not, I think it's worth taking a shot. And then playing in that style, rather than playing this sort of passive bend but no break defenses, which is what Fangio does. Now, Fangio does it the best. He's been doing it for a long time. His defensive concepts and, and his um, his seeds, meaning his coaches have coached under him, have been spread out across the NFL, and a lot of defenses run his style of defense, including us the last couple of years, John Gannon and uh, – Sean Desai, both disciples of Fangio's defense. But now we get the guy. We get the creator. We get the number one honcho, the one who designed and created that defensive philosophy, is now here as our defensive coordinator. So we hope he could do it. Well, we know he could do it the best. He is the one who is the godfather of that defensive style. And I think the Eagles, one thing that the Eagles, that um, sorry, one thing that, that he relies on, however, as part of his defense, is good linebacking, which the Eagles don't have. So hopefully bringing in Fangio, he'll have Howie's ear and tell Howie, you need to get some freaking linebackers in this defense if you want me to do anything here. And I think that will be the case. So I would expect Howie to do something with the linebacker position. What that's going to be, I don't know. Does he make a trade for Patrick Queen? Does he or a free agent signing with Patrick Queen, who's going to warrant a lot of uh, interest? Um, whatever it is, you know, drafting. I think we need to get some experience in here for sure. Is Cunningham able to give it another go? I think Cunningham played pretty well overall, but he's not the answer there certainly long term. But I wouldn't mind them necessarily bringing Cunningham back. I thought he showed enough, you know. There, uh, the rest of the group. There's nobody there. There's no. There's nothing there. Nothing there. Um, you know, the Kobe Dean. I know how he's hiding him, but you guys never got never plays. Can't stay in the field, and he's undersized to begin with, which was what my concern was. I think from a leadership capability and, and football smarts and all that, and the Kobe Dean definitely has it. Does he have ability to play? Sure, but you got to be on the field, and he has not been able to stay on the field. So hopefully next year he's able to, and that'll certainly probably help us out, you know. Um, but regardless, we need linebackers in the worst way. And there's one in the draft this year, as I've talked about, by the name of Jeremiah Trotter Jr. out of Clemson. Um, not necessarily a first-round pick, although it's possible he could creep into the first round. He is that good. But probably is going to fall to the early parts of this early to mid second round. Uh, who knows where they go? Some guys can ascend and some guys to descend. You never know. But certainly the pedigree, the the genes, the fact that his father played here. I would hope the Eagles are keep can keep an eye on uh, Jeremiah Trotter Jr. in this draft. So, but um, yeah. So now along with the draft. And I'm not. I haven't done my analysis. The, uh, my analysis of the draft. I am not really a draft expert. Um, I don't f- watch much college football. I, I just never. I try. I really do try to watch it. I mean, I watch some of the big games. 
or watch when USC's on because I'm a USC fan. And maybe sometimes when Syracuse is on because I, I watch Syracuse every once in a while and, and I'll try to catch maybe a championship game. But I don't follow the college football. You know, I really, really don't. So I don't have um, the sense like I do on other topics and certainly the Eagles to elaborate and really have much discussion on them with, with confidence and, and credibility because I just don't. Honestly, I don't. Now, that's right now. Before the draft happens, I do my research, you know, but not ex- it's not extensive research. I will make sure that I read up on the top guys the positions of need for the Eagles. Um, that that I'll do. And so I'll at least have a general idea. And I'll watch some tape on them, you know, so I'll do all that so I can talk intelligently about them. I don't want to be up here just spouting, you know, stuff that's not true or I don't know about. You know, I always make sure that what I'm talking about on here uh, is coming from um, either myself as of knowledge base, or I'm relying on others um, to, um, you know, supply that knowledge for me that I, um, people that I trust or, or sources that I trust. So that I'm sharing with you credible information. Um, so I will be doing more homework as we get closer to the draft, which is still months away, but, um, and I'll probably have uh, a guest on that, that uh, pays more, much more attention to the college game and the draft that will do some analysis and have like a pregame, not pregame, a pre-draft uh, episode on Felt Eagles Talk with Jeff. So looking forward to that discussion. Um, so there's more and more rumors, if you will, uh, hearsay. And I think, and I've said this, that I do believe that Jason Kelsey is going to retire. I think that he has played his last game as an Eagle. Unfortunately, I really, I, I do. I just, I think, I think Kelsey this year is going to just kind of look at uh, the balance scale of playing again or his family life and everything else he's got going outside of football, um, which he's, you know, got a, a probably a, a very promising career in media for sure with his very successful podcast with his brother. And he's just a very good, um, thoughtful, insightful uh, person that any of these, whether it's local Philadelphia or the national level, ESPN, you know, CBS, Fox will hire and bring him on. Um, I think he's very good on television. So um, I think when he goes and talks about it with his wife and uh, has that sit down conversation that I think that Kelsey is going to hang him up. Unfortunately, I mean, we all love to see him play. Uh, more. I'm not saying it's a definite. I don't have any insight information on that. It's just my gut feeling. I thought last year he was going to come back, which I said in his program. And this year, I I tend to think otherwise. I think he's probably going to retire. Um, I hope he doesn't. It's one of those instances where I'm hoping I'm wrong. Um, love to see him come back again. I think he definitely has football to play. Um, but uh, he's he's older. And you know how much of a beating he takes on an offensive line. And he's not a big guy. And uh, he's older. Still playing at a very high level. Made the Pro Bowl again. All pro. Certainly can play. It's not a ability thing. It's um, it's whether or not his body can wants to go through it again. And we'll see. It didn't end on a good note. So is the competitor that's in Jason Kelsey leads me to believe that there is a small percentage of a chance that he may give it one more chance. But I think from for, if I was him and then I was in his shoes, I would be wanting to see what the Eagles do, which is why I'm sure he's holding off his decision. He probably wants to see who the Eagles bring in here in free agency. Like, I don't expect him to make this decision anytime soon. Like, But he has to let the Eagles know probably before the draft, maybe. Although, no, maybe not even, because they already do have guys ready for him. To replace him, Jerkins at center, right? So they already have his replacement, but the you would at least he'll probably let the Eagles know, if not the NFL, by the draft, what he's going to, what they're going to do. Um, and free agency is before the draft, I believe, right? Free agency starts in March, so yeah. So before the draft, I expect Kelsey to uh, give his intentions on whether he's going to retire or whether he's going to come back again, and it's going to be based on what the Eagles are do- have done. And so far, they have replaced their offense coordinator and defense coordinator, and obviously both coaching staffs on both sides are being replaced. I don't think the Eagles are keeping really anybody uh, that was with either one of those coaches. 
Um, seems like they're cleaning house on both offense and defense. And which is a good thing. I think that's good for Kelsey to see. I think the Eagles are out there and aggressive in free agency, which they can do. They got a decent amount of uh, cap space to get some guys in there that they want. They also need to re-sign, and I'll get to this in a moment, some players uh, here. They have a decent amount of free agents to be that they need to address. And, um, yeah, so we'll we'll keep in – We'll kind of keep monitoring what Kelsey's going to do. But, I, again, I don't expect him to make any announcement until after free agency and prior to the draft. Like in that time frame, whether it's mid to late March, uh, early – I would say late March, early April, I think we'll probably get a decision from Kelsey. Could it be before that? Of course. Could be tomorrow. I mean, I don't know. It's just my – I think if he's really contemplating, he hasn't made a decision yet, he's going to wait to see what the Eagles are doing. And if he feels this team is ready to make another run, he may give it another go. I think if he does, if he looks at his Eagles roster um, and he thinks they're maybe a couple years away, then he's probably going to hang it up. All right. The other guy is Fletcher Cox, which is this one kind of interesting me because, again, Fletcher probably played one of his best years in the last couple of years. I've said it during the season. I was saying it, that he's looked better than he has in the, like the last two years. He really played well this year. He's probably the most consistent uh, defensive lineman. He's shown that he has a lot left. Uh, he's also older. I don't think he's as old as Kelsey. I think he's a year younger than Kelsey. Um, I think he's 33, 34, somewhere around there. Um, probably has another good year left if he wants to, maybe even two years, but at least another year. Does he want to come back and go through the grueling, you know, um, the, you know, another grueling year, you know, when your body gets this old and this is a guy talk about Kelsey, right? Fletcher Cox rarely ever misses games or even misses downs. Here's a guy who's taken a lot of snaps in his career. And, uh, he's been a, he's been a healthy player. He's a tough guy. You know, when you play this long and have any snaps and you don't miss that many, you're a tough ass SOB. And that is what Fletcher Cox is. A great all-time Eagle, for sure. I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer. He's definitely an Eagles Hall of Famer. That That's a no doubt. Um, is he a Hall of Famer? I mean, I mean, he's one of those guys that's right there. You can certainly make an argument f- uh, for him to get in. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, but but really, the more short-term concern is, is he going to retire? And, and some of the wording coming out that I've heard, Again, just hearsay rumors. I don't know how credible they are. So I'm just going to say this is you're starting to hear that he might also retire. And I was not thinking that. I thought Kelsey for sure was or is. But I thought Cox might go another another year. But I didn't think it was going to be with Eagles because I didn't think the Eagles were going to pay him. Because he could still make a pretty decent chunk of money based off his production this past year. Um, with the Eagles, he's going to have to take a substantial pay cut which he might do. Maybe he'll give a hometown discount if he decides to come back. He might do that. He's made a ton of money in his career, and I don't think he really needs to cash in, as they say. But again, if that's the case, he's going to be doing the same thing I was just talking about, Kelsey. I'm sure he's going to want to see what this team does. And if if Kelsey and Cox have had these conversations with Howie about, you know, not ready to make my decision right now and want to see – what the team's looking like in a couple months, then to me, that's going to, that's going to give Howie, if he wants them both come back, which I would expect that he would want to be more aggressive, I would think in this free agency period. So we'll see, we'll see. But uh, there has been some rumors also that Cox is, is contemplating retirement. So that's, that's what I want to put out there. Um, before I get into talking about the Super Bowl, um, Jalen Hurts and my thoughts on him and some of the, you know, like I said, when the season ended, I said we were going to start getting bits and pieces as far as why this team collapsed because there's got to be deep reasoning why a team goes from 10-1 and 1 
to losing six out of the last seven games and losing to bad teams and getting their ass kicked. That just doesn't happen unless there's internal problems and issues going on. It's not a talent issue. It's something is wrong. Something is amiss. Something is disrupting this team internally. And we're starting to hear, much like I predicted, some of this stuff coming out. And a lot of it does have to do with the coaching. We're hearing things like Sean Desai, like the coach, that the defensive players didn't even get along with him at all. They didn't want to talk to him, even to that extent. Some agents of the players have been communicating to the press now that their you know, player that they represent on the Eagles defense had major problems with Sean Desai. So, and here's the thing. I thought Desai was coached better than Patricia. But if that is true, what we're hearing now to some of these players, now you do kind of understand why the Eagles and Sirianni, if it was him, or at least the top brass of the Eagles, decided to make that switch and get the Sonny out of there because the players didn't didn't like that coach too much. Now, I don't, it's, I mean, I'm just going by what I'm hearing. And this is credible sources now, right? So this is not something I just, like, read in a newspaper. So there's some truth to the fact that the defensive players did not get along with the side to the point where they didn't even want to talk to him. So, okay. that When you hear stuff like that, then you can kind of understand why the defense imploded the way it did as the season went on. I'm not saying it gives an excuse. I don't think you ever have an excuse to not play hard and whatever, not give effort. But they're all humans. And if you're not full go mentally in a high level of football as the NFL, it's going to it's gonna show in the field. So we're hearing a lot of that now starting to come out. We're also hearing stuff about Jalen Hurts. That's not all that positive. Although I wouldn't say that it's negative either, and I'll explain. So we know how we always praise Hurts for being unshakable, and he's, you know, he doesn't get rattled, right? And we talk about that as a positive. Like he's just mentally strong. Well, that all sounds well and good and looks good when the team's winning. When the team's losing... And Hertz has the same persona on the sidelines, in the huddle, um, behind the microphone and post-game. Then it almost is perceived as a negative. It almost gets perceived when they're losing as he doesn't care or he's not passionate enough or he's just not engaged with his teammates. You start hearing stuff like that and the perception really changes between what it looks like when you're winning and being stoic and strong and unrattled, all those other nice adjectives and description words. So when you're losing and then a tailspin like the Eagles were in, and then it's, he doesn't look engaged with his teammates. He looks disinterested. He, you know, it's interesting how that dynamic plays out. So, but you're hearing some of that stuff. Now coming out. Now it's not even really from the players. Players are not really saying that about Jalen, but the perception stuff is starting to come out. And I do think that Jalen does need, because not everybody's wired the same way, right? So Jalen is certainly wired a certain way, but not your, your teammates are not wired the same way Jalen is. And some teammates, and I, I can tell you this because I played team sports my entire life growing up, 10 years in baseball, six years in football, Played team sports. I played hockey for a little while. So I got a lot of years in my youth playing team sports. And sometimes you need to hear a player get in your face and tell you to get your ass going. You know, I always responded from coaches who did that. Mine was more or less coaches who got in your face and made sure you didn't take a play off. Or if you did, you were on the bench. Now, that never happened to me, but I saw it happen to my teammates. Some players need to hear it. And Jalen's not that kind of guy. But he can be 
I don't want it to be fake either. But I think Jalen should at least consider that, listen, if he thinks his team is not playing at the high level that he expects them to be playing at, that he gets in their that, that he that he tells them. He doesn't need to get in their face and bark at them and make a big show out of it. But I think Jalen needs to take more of a leadership role now that he's you know going to be his fourth year in, uh, or is his fifth year in? But at least his, I think it's his fourth year, right? Yeah, at least it'll be his fourth year. You know, I think it's now time for Jeter. I mean, Jeter, for Jalen to take more of a leadership role. See, you hear Jeter leadership, leadership Jeter. Now there's a leader, right? Derek Jeter. Um, and obviously, you know, I now just kind of subliminally just said Derek Jeter. He has the same type of mentality as Jalen Hurts. They were both very strong-minded. Jeter came through in a clutch all the time, was hardly ever rattled at the plate. It's kind of like, he's a lot like Jalen in that respect, or Jalen's a lot like him, I should say. So, now A.J. Brown, again, you know, controversy just follows this guy around. I'm never going to say that he's a T.O., you got some people saying, oh, he's another team diva, cancer. No, I don't see that. T.O. is on his own level of stupidity, egotistical, maniac, loser. And I know there's a lot of Eagle fans out there that I probably piss off when I say that. But the guy was a team cancer. And if you don't think he was just for the Eagles with what happened to McNabb, look at any other team he played for. Why do you think the 49ers got, away, got, got rid of him? Do you think it was because of his ability? When you're that good and your team doesn't want any part of you, you're the problem. I'm sorry. When you're that good and he was athletically wise, talent wise, T.O. is one of the greatest wide receivers that ever stepped on the field. I have no problem ever saying that. He was as talented as anybody. From a talent perspective, T.O. was great. One of the best all time. Absolutely. All of Famer. No question. As a Personality and a teammate, he was trash. He was trash in San Francisco. He was trash here in Philadelphia. He's all about himself. I have never seen a player in my life more about himself than Terrell Owens. And again, you guys have heard me get heated about people, and there's Eagle fans out there, especially the McNabb haters, who I continually bash because they deserve it, who take T.O.'s side versus when McNabb and T.O. didn't get along. They actually take Terrell Owens' side over McNabb. Which, again, doesn't surprise me because, again, the collective IQ of McNabb haters is, like I said, zero. Below zero. They have no clue what they're talking about. And this is just another instance that just proves it. If you think that McNabb was the reason why him and Teal couldn't get along. I mean, that is the epitome of stupidity. So... A.J. Brown is not T.O. He's not a me player like T.O. is or was. Is he a little bit of a diva? Yes, I think he's guilty of that. But almost every wide receiver is a diva. Let's face it. It's like it goes along with a position, and especially when you get as good as him. You be, there's a little divaness in you when you want the ball all the time and think you can make every play. That happens, unfortunately. They shouldn't even do that. I get it. He's got a little bit of that in him, no doubt. He's not a T.O., not even anywhere near as much of a jackass as Terrell Owens as a teammate. So I will shoot down any of those type of thoughts that are out there. Um, I just think A.J. Brown could do things a little bit better than he does. Like he made an excuse the other day, like they asked him why he shut, you know, he took down all of his Eagles-related stuff off his uh, social media accounts. Like why, why do that? He says it's to get away from the distractions. Well, you create more distraction when you do something like that. So to me, that doesn't make any sense. I want to get away from the negativity. Well, you bring it on then. You bring it on when you do something like that. So it totally contradicts himself, if you ask me. But it is what it is. I'm not concerned about A.J. Brown. I just hope he stays healthy, has a good offseason, comes back even better next year. The fact that the Eagles didn't give him the ball the whole second half of the season where he was just completely dominating, he was on record pace to – that just goes, again, to the coaching staff and how bad they were. That they just weren't even throwing him the ball or calling you know, calling his number in plays. Just just terrible. Um, now, Devontae Smith is a guy that the Eagles need to resign. And I think usually the way Howie plays this, 
these are the players that he wants to keep. This is the coming year um, before their last year of the contract where he will negotiate a long-term deal or a longer-term deal. So I do think that Devontae Smith will um, be approached by the Eagles and have a contract offer, and hopefully the Eagles are able to lock him up for on a good four- to five-year deal or something like that. Um, you know, he's going to get his money. You know, he deserves it. And he also showed, without A.J. Brown playing in the uh, playoff game, you know, he was the number one wide receiver, and he went off for 140-something yards receiving. So we always said the Eagles have two number one wide receivers. And Devontae proved it in the playoffs that he could be a number one. So um, I would expect the Eagles and Devontae Smith to come to some sort of contract. Um, you know, hopefully Devontae's side is not going to ask for the moon and the Eagles can can come away with a good contract and, and seal up and uh, Devontae Smith for the next, you know, five years. All right, I'll give you my Super Bowl thoughts before I wrap things up here. Um, you know, I'm not a San Francisco fan. I, I don't know how many of us out there are because – or how many people will be rooting for the 49ers. For me, the 49ers are becoming um, a team that I really do not like. I like their players, most of their players. I have a lot of respect for some of their players for sure. I love Fred Warner. Fred Warner is a guy that I love to watch play football. He is a, an amazing linebacker and the, definitely the best linebacker in the NFL right now. Um, he's fun to watch. I got a ton of respect for him. Uh, not a big fan of Bosa, although he's not as the clown like his brother is. His brother in San Diego is a, a moron. Uh, I definitely think the better Bosa is the one on the 49ers. Um, good player, although I think he's a little overrated. I don't think he's as good as the 49ers make him out to be. He's good, though. Um, I like their defense overall. I think they have a really, really good defense. It's legit. And I like the way they play. They play a hard-nosed, aggressive defense. I got a lot of respect for McCaffrey. I've always liked Christian McCaffrey, except for in the draft. <laughs> I wasn't doing a podcast back then. But I will. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. And tell you something that, you know, say something about McCaffrey that um, that I was not feeling back then. And I will tell you this. He had to grow on me. Because I know the Eagles really wanted to draft McCaffrey in that 20, I think, 17 draft, I think it was. And I absolutely wanted nothing to do with Christian McCaffrey. I thought he was overrated coming out of college. Well, I shouldn't say that. I just felt that. I just felt that I didn't think he was that good. And obviously, I was clearly wrong about that. I am wrong every once in a while. It does happen. It doesn't happen often. But when I am, I will be accountable for it. This is one where I was wrong. I didn't want the Eagles to draft McCaffrey at all. And I knew they really wanted to. Um, and I was so happy when they did not. Um, I really was. <laughs> Sounds crazy now, I know. Boy, would we love to have him as a, as a running back. But we've had good running backs. It's not like, you know, we still have had good running backs, you know, since McCaffrey's been in the league. But he is an amazing running back. I I like him a lot now. He's he's definitely proved me wrong with the career he's had, and he's, he's the best running back in the NFL, and he has been. Um, So I got a lot of respect for Christian McCaffrey. And uh, anybody that could prove me wrong, a few times it does happen. Much respect to you, pal. So Christian McCaffrey, a lot of respect. I'd love to see him win a ring. He deserves it, you know. And um, I'm not a fan of Purdy. I'm not. Now, I say this, but I'm also somebody, as I mentioned last podcast when I had Johnny on, um, that – I was not one of these people that saw him play and said, oh, he's just a system quarterback or he's just lucky. He just happened to be in a lucky offense. Can't really play. I never, when I watched him play, I never had those thoughts. I'm like, this guy can play. He's a good quarterback. He can, he's got, he can read defense as well. He, he knows he's got good pocket presence. Uh, he doesn't have the greatest arm in the world, but his, his arm's good enough because he doesn't really throw it that deep. He really doesn't. Um, but, he throws accurate. He reads defenses. He's got 
way better pocket presence than Jalen Hurts does. Um, he's got escapability. He's got a little bit of mobility, so he can you know he's not stoic back there. Uh, he's not a statue, I should say, in the um, in the offense. He can do a lot of things, and he's getting better. Like he's playing some of the best quarterback, and I've seen him play to this point in his career. He's really playing well. He played really well in that Detroit game because he was under pressure a lot. Like Detroit was getting to him, and he was finding ways out of the pocket and making plays downfield, either with his arm or even running the ball. He made some really big plays. Um, he's clutch, I think. I think he's got a little clutch gene in him as well. You know, I don't think he gets rattled that much. He really is a good quarterback. If there's anyone out there that doesn't think Purdy can play, I'm hoping that this year is changing your tune because the guy can play quarterback. And that's why when people are, you know, kind of analyzing this game, of course, you know, when you're looking at quarterback versus quarterback, which always is key in these big games, Super Bowl games, of course you're going to give the edge to Mahomes. He's been there. He's done that. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks uh, in the history of the league, and he's becoming that pretty fast. So it's hard to pick against Mahomes for sure. But that being said, Purdy has a lot of those characteristics. He really does. I'm not saying he's Mahomes. not. But he's good. Good enough to win. Good enough to upset Mahomes in this game. Absolutely. Absolutely he is. With that offense and that talent that's on that team. For sure. He can. If he's on a lesser team with less weapons... Yeah, it'll be much more bigger advantage from Holmes. But I think with the weapons and the distribution that Purdy's does, he absolutely can win this game. Absolutely. I don't want him to. I'll be rooting for Kansas City. And that gets me to Andy Reid. Because I feel I could talk about the whole scope of Andy Reid. There's a lot of Eagle fans out there that I'm sure listen to this program that may not have uh, been around for much of the Andy Reid um, coaching career with the Eagles, or maybe just were fans towards the end of Andy Reid's career with the Eagles. Um, and maybe can't talk or know as much uh, about Andy Reid when he was here versus what you've seen in Kansas City. Um, I'll say this, because, again, if I had a podcast back when Andy Reid was coaching, those last almost probably four or five, Five years even. Actually, definitely, for sure. Because I think it was probably five years in when I started criticizing Andy Reid. So easily the last five years of Andy Reid's coaching regime with the Eagles, I wanted him fired. And, I, you know, all I can do is just tell you this. I don't have anything that you can go back and say, yeah, go back and listen to the episode, you know, whatever. You'll hear me say it. I, I can't do that because I wasn't doing a podcast back then. But I was on the Eagles message boards. They used to have Philadelphia Eagles message boards on their website way back when. Again, this is the you know late ninety or late nineties, early two thousands, early to mid two thousands. There was the Eagles message board, and I was on there doing what I'm doing now, except just through typing. And I wanted Andy Reid fired like about five years into his career, so he ended up going thirteen. So maybe not five years, but I'm saying at least halfway through. So he was here for 13 years. By year seven, I wanted him fired. And every single year after that, I wanted him fired. Absolute honest truth. Hand in the air. And my main reason for that, I've actually alluded to and talked about in this podcast in, in the past because it's been related to McNabb. Because a lot of, again, the, the McNabb haters out there who don't know football blamed McNabb for their not able to advance to the Super Bowl or win the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It was not McNabb. Now, did McNabb have the greatest games? No, but he had some good games. And he carried this team more often than not. Absolutely carried this team. He was the Eagles' offense. Him alone. And that was my problem with Andy Reid. Andy Reid never gave McNabb any weapons. You had one of the greatest, youngest, brightest quarterbacks in the NFL. With all the ability McNabb had. Lethal arm. Could throw it. 75 yards in the air downfield. Make all the throws. Now, yes, he wasn't the most accurate quarterback. He did throw him, you know, the McNabb haters love to point out, oh, how many times you throw people's feet? I, I, Yes, do you not think I saw that? Of course. But you, you sit there and talk about that, and you don't talk about his lethal throws downfield. And working with the most 
biggest pile of trash at wide receivers probably in the history of the NFL. I mean, god-awful wide receivers that would not have been on any other team in the league. I mean, that's how bad McNabb's wide receivers were. Todd Pinkson wouldn't have been a third wide receiver on any team in the NFL. Same with all the other guys they had. Nay Brown, Charles Johnson. I mean, he was good at one time, but when the Eagles got him, he was at the end of his career. Hank Baskett. I mean, these are guys that he was a special teamer in Washington. He's the starting wide receiver of the Eagles. McNabb had nothing. And that's what that's what pissed me off about Andy Reid. He did not give McNabb any help. We relied on McNabb to win the games for him on offense. They had a good defense. They had a really good defense. He had a pretty good offensive line, even. Reed believed in building the lines, and the Eagles have kept that philosophy to this day. But he would not give McNabb any weapons. Could you imagine McNabb in this offense today? I know I've talked about this in the past. Could you imagine McNabb with A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard? McNabb's got to be wondering, like, my God, what could I do with this offense? With his ability and that talent? They would have won at least one Super Bowl, probably at least two, if they had those type of players around him. No doubt in my mind. But Andy Reid wouldn't give him anything. Never drafted wide receivers. And when he did, it was a guy like Todd Pinkston. Give me a break. So that's why I wanted Andy Reid fired. That and his game management was horrendous. Even into year 13, he never got better. He'd be calling timeouts in the first quarter, and they would never have any timeouts when they needed it at the end of the half or the end of the game because he would burn timeouts all the time. And the Eagles wouldn't have any timeouts when they needed them in critical times later in the game. He would be late getting plays in. He would always have boneheaded play calls. And he passed way too much. Way too pass-happy. So I had major issues with Andy Reid. So I was glad when the Eagles finally fired him. Glad. So now that I've taken you through that uh, lineage, I'll tell you what I currently think of Andy Reid. So now, did, you not once did you hear me say he was a bad coach, right? I never uttered that, those words that he was a bad coach. I thought he was a really good game pl- uh, designer. I thought he was a good play caller for the most part. You know, he did have some... Stupid play calls every once in a while. Uh, I thought he passed too much, but when I'm saying play calling, I mean he had some really good, um, innovative plays and offense. And he still does to this day. So I've never said Andy Reid was a bad coach, but I certainly wanted him fired. And when I finally fired him, I was a happy guy. And I don't look back either to this day saying I. I'm not glad they fired Andy Reid. I absolutely am. Still glad they fired Andy Reid. Um, it was just his time to go. It just was. Um, now, here's where he give Andy credit because he learned from what he did to McNabb. He learned that he had a dynamic quarterback in Donovan McNabb and never gave him any offensive weapons. What did he do? The first thing he did when he got Mahomes in Kansas City, he had Tyree Kill. Right off the bat. He had one of the best tight ends in the league, Travis Kelsey. So, and Tyree Kills, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL. Now, I know he's not there anymore, but he was. So, you know, so he surrounded him with talent at the skilled position. So he learned from McNabb that, hey, even though you have a great dynamic quarterback and he needs some weapons, you can't just rely on him to do everything, which is what Andy Reid did with McNabb, unfortunately. And McNabb, as good as he was, and this is where the McNabb haters are just a bunch of boneheads, he brought him all the way to the NFC Championship and a Super Bowl. Now, in the Super Bowl, he finally had T.O. Hey, you get, you get him a wide receiver and they go to the Super Bowl. Wow. Could have told you that many years prior. But eventually they got him a weapon, and he just had that one weapon and went to the Super Bowl. He probably should have won it. 
but he relied on McNabb to do everything. And he did and got him all the way to the NFC Championship game four times. That's why McNabb is not overrated like a lot of these like these McNabb haters, these idiots among their fan base think. He was underrated big time. Underappreciated, definitely. Except for those of us who know football. We didn't underappreciate McNabb. We recognized how good he was. And if Reed was smart enough back then, and I'm sure he knows if you were to sit him down and say, hey, do you wish you got McNabb of one or two wide receivers early in his career like you did Mahomes? Guarantee you, Andy Reed would say, absolutely. That's what I learned from that, and that's why I did when I got Mahomes because they drafted, they, they uh, moved up in the draft to get him. And once they got him, he immediately surrounded them with, with big-time players. In Kelsey's case, and probably Tri-Ray Kell, two Hall of Famers. One wide receiver, one tight end. McNabb never had none of that. Not even close. Unless you want to count you know, Tyrell. He did have T.O. late in his career, and they went to the Super Bowl. Bingo. Point made, case closed. Got him wide receiver, got him just one wide receiver, and he went to the Super Bowl. So Reed has learned from his mistakes in Philadelphia. He doesn't also burn timeouts like he did all the time in Philly. He doesn't do that anymore. He's a much better game manager. And he's a great coach. In fact, he is, no question, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Absolutely. When you when you put together what he did in Philadelphia and what he did in Kansas City, he is one of the greatest coaches of all time. Absolutely. And I'm hoping and I'll be rooting for Andy Reid to win another Super Bowl. So I'm rooting for Kansas City. Um, I do think it's going to be a good game. and I, But I do think the 49ers are going to win. I just think they're a better team. But we'll see. Can't count out Mahomes. Mahomes has the ball. Down by a touchdown or less, he's probably going to win the game. But uh, but I think Fortnite is going to win. I just got a feeling. I think it's their time. Unfortunately, I don't want him to win. I don't like San Francisco. I don't like the team. I don't like the coach. I don't like the quarterback in terms of his personality. I think he's a cocky little punk. As good as he is. Like I just praised him a few minutes ago because I do think he's uh, very good. But I don't like his cockiness. I think he's a cocky player. I don't like a lot of the 49ers cocky players. I don't like Kittle. Loudmouth. Good player. Loudmouth. Um, I love Debo. Much respect for Debo. I've always said that if there's one player in the NFL that I want in the Eagles, it's Debo Samuel. Love that guy. I love how hard he plays. I love how tough he is. How versatile he is. And Brandon Ayuk is one heck of a player. I mean, that team's loaded with talent. That's why I think they're ready. I think it's just their year. I think they'll put enough pressure on. um, Here's the thing. They'll put enough pressure on Mahomes. And when he tries to scramble, they have the fast linebackers like Warner and Greenlaw to get track him down so he doesn't get those bigger gains. That's why I think they'll win. That's, That's really what it comes down to to me. And I think they can also take away Kelsey and frustrate him. So I just think that they can match physicalness with Kansas City. I do think Kansas City's defense is very, very good as well. Um, but I think the 49ers just have too many weapons. So I do think the 49ers will win. They will be the champions this year. Uh, although I'll be rooting for Big Red in, in Kansas City in the game. So that's my early opinion and synopsis on the Super Bowl. Let me know what your thoughts are. Again, P-E-T-W-G-3. I mean, sorry, P-E-T-W-G-P at gmail.com. So check it out there. All right, I think I've talked enough, don't you think? Thank you again for tuning in to Philadelphia Eagles Talk with Jeff. We'll be back a little bit later this week. Uh, We're going to bring Matt back on. I haven't heard from Matt in a while. Um, 
And we have a lot to talk about because we did our preseason predictions. You remember that? We took the test, and we'll see how we did. We'll see what the results are. Um, when we get Matt on, we'll also get his thoughts on the uh, how the Eagles ended and the offseason coming up. Until then, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Thank <laughs> you.